I saw and chuckled a lot last night. Now, we were talking about this yesterday. When it comes to one Milwaukee Brewers team, um, I saw this tweet pop up that it was, oh, the Brewers called up some guy named Chichi Gonzalez. All right, that's cool. And then a little, uh, then the follow-up tweet was, oh, my God, and he's pitching? Oh, my God, he's the starting pitcher? Chichi Gonzalez last night, uh, as Rowdy described him as, quote, just an arm. And which is what he is, the Brewers and their starting pitching rotation is uh, in some shambles right now. Chichi Gonzalez, Rowdy, four innings last night. He gave up four hits, three earned runs. He struck out two. He did give up that big bomb uh, to the Cardinals rookie, uh, Nolan Gorman. Uh, that was his one big, you know, fatal flaw. But with the four innings and the 73 pitches, 47 of them strikes for one Chichi Gonzalez and a 6-2 to two loss, to the St. Louis Cardinals. What do we think of uh, Chichi Gonzalez? I thought he pitched a little bit better than I anticipated, but then again, I didn't anticipate him to pitch very well. <laughs> so he go. It goes right back to it was just another arm. I mean, it was the Brewers needed someone to eat up innings, especially with all of the injuries to their rotation. When you talk about a Brewers rotation that was lucky enough to go six deep at the start of the season when you incorporate Aaron Ashby into as that sixth guy that was kind of like the long reliever out of the bullpen and or a, a spot starter and then worked his way into that six-man rotation that the Brewers have incorporated the last two, three years. When three guys and two out of your top three go down, I mean, you're you're really testing your depth and the brewers. When you look at it on the surface, they had a ton of depth. Uh I mean, when you can go Corbin Burns, the reigning Cy Young, Brandon Woodruff and Freddie Peralta, who also also both finished in the top eight for Cy Young last year. Then you have a guy like Adrian Hauser. That's there every single year, Eric Lauer, another starter. Then you have number six in Aaron Ashby. And then you're talking about how you feel comfortable bringing up like a prospect in Ethan small or having a couple other arms in triple a that have been there, done that before at the major league level, not at a high level, but they've been there before. You probably feel pretty decent about your depth, but then you lose three arms for which they're saying Peralta's a significant amount of time. So lame. I would even say that Brandon Woodruff for how long he's been out. It's a significant amount of time because he had a rehab start. What was that on Saturday? What do you go like two and one? He went like two innings. It wasn't over three. He went like two innings, I think. And that was about. And he's going to have another one before he has even any opportunity to rejoin the Milwaukee Brewers. But I mean, he's going to be a guy that's going to be out for a month plus Freddie Peralta at a minimum. You'd imagine is going to be out for two months. Aaron Ashby now will be out for two weeks. Uh I mean, the hits just keep coming and that's not even talking about the bullpen, the bullpen who once again has been a top 10 bullpen this season. David Stearns continues to put together a really good bullpen year in and year out. Now he he has the Josh haters of the world and he's had pretty good setup men, but he continues to find some of these unknown arms that are probably quadruple a type pitchers and or guys that had been good three, four years ago and turns them back into (laughs) what they were. But that bullpen you're down. Jake cousins hasn't pitched since the third week of the season. He was pretty good for the brewers last year. You have Trevor Gott. He hasn't been around for the last two or three weeks. No, yeah. He was a guy that came out of nowhere this I year. I forgot about him. And was arguably probably around your third or fourth best reliever behind Hader and, and Williams and, and Boxberger. Yeah. 
I kind of forgot about him, Rowdy. Gustave's thrown the ball really well the last couple of years for the Brewers. He's been on the shelf for at least two or three weeks, and it sounds like Gustave and Cousins, they aren't going to come back till at least July sometime. Yeah. And got Gott's a guy that just had some rehab uh, performances, but he needs more time to get ready. That's just, that's three arms right there. Let's not mention how uh, Hater has missed close to 10 days due to his wife's pregnancy and then having the kid. Yeah. I mean, there's been a lot of guys missing from that pitching staff just in general. And well, yet they're still tied for first place. They still have a good to possibility to get a split here in this series. Yeah. And that's the thing. The Brewers, despite all of their woes, uh, are 39 and 31 tied again for first place in the NL Central, the St. Louis Cardinals. Like you think about it. When's, when have the Brewers actually been all healthy and together? And, well, it was a stretch of four days. And that was what? like In early May. That's insane. The, the Milwaukee Brewers club that was assembled to be, you know, the the one that wins the NL Central, uh, yada, 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 four days out of, what, four days out of the season that they have been together. Well, I mean, they've played 70 games. For four games out of seven, four days out of 70 games, Rowdy, this Milwaukee Brewers team has been 100% healthy and ready to go. That's less than 6% of the season so far. And yet there's still first place. Well, tied for first place in the NL Central. Well, that's wow. why when we came in this morning, we were talking about Chichi Gonzalez and then the rest of the crew that came in and pitched after he exited. And obviously you have Brent Suter. He's been a long haul brewer name for the last few years out of the bullpen. You know what he is, but then you have Miguel Sanchez who he's thrown the ball all right for what he is to the Milwaukee Brewers the last couple of years. It's when you get to these guys that are basically triple a arms that have come up and pitched in the big leagues and done. Eh, yeah. Okay. Eh. But you're not expecting much from Miguel Sanchez because he's a guy that helps round out the end of the bullpen. He, he's like, he, he's like your seventh, eighth arm out of the bullpen. You're not expecting much. And then you have what? Strzelecki. Is that how you say his name? Strzelecki. That looks sounds right. It's a guy that he's in the minor leagues. I've never heard of that guy. It's because he's a minor leaguer. He's a triple-A arm unless you have all the injuries that you have. But you think about that. If you get rid of some of those guys that are at the bottom end and you throw Gott back in there, you throw Cousins back in there, you throw Gustave back in there, all of a sudden you're sitting there talking about, man, I feel really good about our bullpen. We don't have a terrible arm. Yeah. Uh, this is, I mean, it's crazy for the Brewers. Out of 70 games, they've been completely healthy for four of them. Uh, I mean, they were assembled to have, what, Pedro Severino in there, too, but you throw him out. Did you hear about him? No, what happened? So, obviously, he's Did he get, honoring his, his 80, what is it, an 80-game suspension or whatever for yeah. PEDs. Yeah, we got 10 left. So, yeah, he's still down for at least another two weeks. And then on top of that, he's not eligible for the postseason. So you you can't really figure that he's going to get a ton of playing time just because he's not going to be there at the end of the year, whether they make the playoffs or not. Well, they're playing him in AAA for like these quote unquote like rehab starts. Or no, he was in Biloxi, I think it was. Uh He was playing first base. Severino was so Severino was playing first base because if he plays, they want to get his bat into the lineup because he was known as a hitting catcher. Yeah. Well, I think you would argue that 
Victor Carantini swung the bat decently well. I mean, he went 0 yeah. for 4 last night. He's hitting 250. He's provided a little bit of pop. 250 is a godsend on this team. Narvaez has hit the ball decently well. Ha- doesn't have much power. He's not an all-star like he was last year. But, I mean, you, you can't say he's been bad this yeah, year. Yeah. Both guys have played decently well. They've been all right. Mm-hmm. Probably doesn't really fit in. I think uh, the writing might be on the wall for uh, one Keston Hira if Pedro Severino's taking at bats well, at first base. Bummer, dude. But isn't doesn't that isn't that weird though? Because Severino, yeah. he's a right-handed hitter. You would think that he would get at bats against lefties because, uh, well, Hira can't hit lefties, and Telez is batting below two hundred against lefties. So maybe he comes in, fills in against lefties, but then. <laughs> If Severino starts getting more at-bats against lefties, we already know that Rowdy Telez is hitting much better against righties, but we know Keston here is one of the best sticks in Major League Baseball against righties. But for some reason, Craig Council in that front office likes to run him out there against lefties. I don't get it, dude. Which doesn't make sense for a guy that has reverse slits or splits. So, um... I don't get yeah, that. Yeah, I feel like uh, he would be one of the guys that would probably lose a roster spot. Keston Hira has been just, I don't understand it, man. And by the way, Hira hit a home run off a lefty on Saturday. So maybe the tides are turning a little bit here. Yeah, despite all of this craziness for the Brewers, uh, still, I, it's crazy to say, first place in the NL Central. I'm looking at uh, 538, the prediction website. We yet. haven't even talked about the injuries on offense. Colton Wong, yeah, he's still yeah, out. Yeah, Colton Wong. Uh, and then the Brewers sticks have been Jace Peterson has made it through the first almost two and a half months of the season playing every day. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Jace Peterson. Uh, was, was it, was it Tyrone Taylor or Peterson? That was going to be the FedEx guy. Tyrone, Tyrone Taylor. Taylor. That was 2020. Yeah. All right. So I'm looking at major league baseball, the 538 pro- projections and predictions uh, right here. Rowdy, I'm looking at the Brewers. They're still holding steady at 3% of uh, winning the world series, 53% of winning their division and 70% of making the playoffs. Uh, but their projected record, despite all this injuries and everything, 89 and 73. The Cardinals, their projected record, 88 and 74. So you look at these two clubs. I mean, they are, and you know, Cardinals feel like they're going one way. Brewers, a little, you know, the other way a little bit. The Brewers have kind of uh, staved it off a little bit. They just had their four-game winning streak snapped uh, last night because of the loss. But you look at this. I mean, it's a long season. You got to think the Brewers are going to get healthy. Well, you know, I don't think they're going to going to get healthier, and uh, maybe they're going to start just being a juggernaut again. It's the ebbs and flows of a season. I did see the Timber Rattlers uh, tweet this out. we got some brewers coming to town this week. Uh, they had Mike Brousseau and Trevor God on Tuesday, and then tomorrow is when Brandon Woodruff will get his next uh, session. So he is in uh So if Appleton. he gets to pitch on Thursday, and they were hoping for a minimum two starts down at the minor leagues, obviously he wouldn't be ready to pitch until mid-next week. Yeah. If he misses, if he has to throw another minor league rehab start, so then say he throws three, you're not looking to get Brandon Woodruff back until around July 4th. <laughs> for America's birthday, Rowdy. You're bringing big woo. Brandon Woodruff back for America's birthday. Okay. So, yeah, if he gets two, you'll get him back at the end of June. If he gets three minor league rehab starts, you'll get him back around July 4th. So here you go, Thursday night. It's getting closer, but yet so far away. I know. Thursday night in Appleton for the Timber Rattlers. It is uh, wizardry night. You're a wizard, Woody. 
Woody's going to be on the mound doing his wizardly stuff while it's wizard wizardry night at the ballpark. The first 1,000 fans to attend the game will receive a T-shirt that celebrates the world of wizardry and magic courtesy of the Nero Science Group. There you go, Rod. You're a wizard, Woody. So how'd you like to be a AAA guy and you get, uh, and you get Brandon Woodruff throwing some smoke by you? Be kind of cool. Well, it'll be like, I got to show this guy up. But yeah, Brandon Woodruff, um, we'll see what happens. See, here they list it. So Brandon Woodruff, a two-time National League All-Star, has been in Milwaukee's IL since May 30th after leave, blah, blah, blah. Woodruff made a rehabilitation start for the National Sounds at uh, Memphis on June 18th. They allowed a run on two hits with seven strikeouts. Uh, they say uh, that he's still with nursing a sprained ankle. That's what, they, that's what they list him as here, Rowdy, a sprained ankle. I thought it now was like numbness in his hand. Like, Can we even get like a legit answer on what this injury is? Does it confuse you like it confuses me? Like what's the injury? Is it maybe the they're, is it maybe the, they're just putting that down because that was the original injury? Yeah, that's probably which the, was a weird high ankle sprain to begin with. That's probably the most obvious answer, right? Or the smartest answer there from Rowdy. After the Brewers game last night, obviously he gets to the media, talks to him, yada yada yada. Uh, the Brewers fell six to two. Their four game winning streak snapped. Uh, they're now tied again for first place in the NL Central. At uh, the record of 39 and 31 with the St. Louis Cardinals. You can find me in St. Louis. Rowdy, though, Chichi Gonzalez was the pitcher for the Milwaukee Brewers. Again, I saw I said this a couple times earlier this morning. I was chuckling, I was on Twitter, and some people like uh, sharing their story of how they, you know, these are casual fans, I would say, of the Brewers. Like, oh, I noticed that uh, there's a guy named Chichi Gonzalez called up. All right, cool. And then I noticed that he was named as the starting pitcher, and I was like, what the? WTF? But, Rod, you brought up a good point. It's like, what did you expect the Brewers to do? What did you expect Craig Council to do? This is the spot they're in. Yeah, and, you know, you could have said, oh, they could have went with a bullpen day. Okay, so then instead of Chichi Gonzalez, you bring up another arm from most likely AAA because you're not getting any reinforcements back with the Peraltas or the Woodruffs or the Cousins yeah. or the Gustaves or the Gots. The Gustaves. So it would be another AAA arm. And you could have had a bullpen day, but when you think about bullpen days, Brent Suter would be a guy that you would think would eat multiple innings up for you. He'd be a guy that maybe he'd come in and start and he'd log three, four, maybe get you five innings. But Brent Suter, the last couple of years, he hasn't been used no. as that long, long reliever. reliever. I mean, he's been a guy that's been more of a middle reliever, and he's only throwing one, you got one and two one third last night. Yeah. yeah, they they only used him for one and 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 change. So he's not a guy that's stretched out that's going to be able to step in there and go three, four, five innings. Because if he did for you in that one particular game, you know that in today's baseball that they're going to have him sitting down for multiple days, and with a pitching staff that's that stressed. You can't necessarily do that, especially when yeah. you're relying on a guy who is one of the more senior tenured guys in that bullpen behind the haters of the world. And at the same time, he is kind of a big part of, of like when you have these days where your lesser pitchers like a Chichi Gonzalez pitches, you know, you're going to rely on him again, though. Chichi Gonzalez is just an arm. Yeah. There's no way this guy's sniffing the big leagues or this roster without injuries. Yep. They wouldn't even call him up to be out of the bullpen. Like, he's clearly been a starter his, pretty much his entire career. Yeah. So, 
after the game, I just wanted to play some. Craig Council's got some pretty hilarious like mannerisms when he's after the at the podium, especially after a loss. Like the hair is like extra disheveled, and he he stammers a lot. And, and I'm not trying to make fun of any speech impediments or anything. It's just it's just funny to watch Craig up there squirm a little bit. So here is uh, him talking to what they got from one Chichi Gonzalez on a start, and Craig's and, and he's trying to you, find the yeah, words. And before you play it. I was actually pleasantly surprised with what they got from Chichi Gonzalez. Yeah. When you look at a guy that his best season in the big leagues, he's basically a guy with five plus ERA or as a career ERA in the sevens. I thought, I mean, for what he pitched, he exceeded my expectations slightly. I mean, my line that I gave out when we all did the predictions at the end of the show on how well he pitched was slightly worse than what he actually threw. So, I mean, if, if you're Craig Council, you probably actually felt pretty decent about he, how well he did throw, especially because it was Chichi Gonzalez. Yeah, so here's Craig trying to find the words for one Chichi Gonzalez. We love you, Chichi. Here is uh, Craig Council. Take a listen. We got 12 outs. I think that was, you know, but going into it, we were hoping we get 12 outs. Um, so him getting us to that point in the game, um, you know, was a job well done. And. <laughs> Definitely still in the game at that point. A, uh, see, see, this is where it's like, as a fan, you love, you would love to hear honesty, but you understand as the manager and the head of the Milwaukee Brewers, you can't just come out because you're going to need these Jason Alexanders and these Chichi Gonzalez's yes. throughout the season to make the spot bus. starts. You can't come out and just say, yeah, well, it's Chichi Gonzalez. Clearly, he's not a, a true big league arm and, and blah, blah. But as a fan, you'd love him to be like, to kind of come back at the uh, the reporter and be like, dude, it's Chichi freaking Gonzalez. Yeah. What do you what want you, from me, man? What did you think? What do you want, dude? All right. The only way I expected to win this game is if my guys could have scored 10 runs. They had four hits. You think I was supposed to win this game with Chichi Gonzalez and Brent Suter? Yeah. What do you want me to go out there? The angry rooster, Craig Olsen, go hit? We had four hits last night. What do you want from me? All right, here's one more from Craig about Chichi. Have a nice game. You know, when Chichi's outing, I mean, he, you know, he had a shaky first and, and recovered with a couple of really nice innings. Then, you know, unfortunately, that, 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 that was kind of the pitch that you wish he had back to keep it a tie game there. But, um, yeah, he had a nice game. Yeah, they're always I mean, talking about the home run in the fourth inning. And overall, when Chichi Gonzalez left, I mean, you think about it, the Brewers were still in a competitive uh, game. What, they were down uh, roughly four to two? Yeah. Three to two? Yeah. I mean, it was a game in which they still could have won. Chichi Gonzalez didn't give you a great start like we've been. That was terrible, though. Yeah, but we've been used to seeing how well these Milwaukee Brewers have been. Like Corbin Burns, the game the starting rotation <laughs> the last two years. He still for a guy in a pinch for a guy that you know is not going to be there and he's not truly a a big league arm that you're going to see for the Milwaukee Brewers when healthy I think they would take that especially still being in a closer ball game totally I mean Gregory said it himself we wanted 12 outs he got 12 outs the frustrating thing isn't with Chi Chi Gonzalez and what he did it's the fact that you have so many injuries and he's pitching for you Manny Ramirez just Manny being Manny. The man ram uh, was talking about one Derek Jeter saying, uh, I, I found the video of him saying it, but here's the quote. If you put Jeter in Kansas City, he was just a regular player. Manny Ramirez on the Nesson broadcast uh, just yesterday. Uh, Rowdy, 
I'll, I'll play the clip coming up because a lot of people are saying that uh, it's being taken out of context. But when you say or when you hear this, and you you, you know you teased it just before uh, the break there, if you put Jeter in a can- in Kansas City, he's just a regular player. What says Rowdy Razor over here? I think it's hilarious. Like I I get that there are people like Ben Kenny of the world who just messed with me. He just said true. Ben just or, said true. Or true. Manny Ramirez of the world that say that Derek Jeter wasn't a good player. Now, if you look at Derek Jeter and you read off some of his accomplishments, like he's in the Hall of Fame, Rookie of the Year, 14-time All-Star, five gold gloves, five silver sluggers, won a World Series MVP. He's got his own logo. Won an All-Star MVP. I I mean, did he earn every single one of those awards, like the fourteen-time All-Star or the five-time gold glove? Did he earn his pinstripes? He earned his pinstripes. (laughs) I mean, clearly he was the captain of the Yankees for over a decade. But did he earn every single 14-time All-Star or five-time gold glove? No. He was was clearly playing off of, my name is Derek Jeter. I'm the captain for the Yankees. And I'm the guy for the Yankees. But did the guy deserve at least two gold gloves if you look at his numbers? Yeah, probably. But then you have the guys where, oh, well... You know, he just got votes because of popularity. And that's where I, I hate it. Like, yeah, Derek, but that's not his fault. Derek like, that's, Jeter, that's, that's him being good at what he does. Therefore, he can live off his Derek name for Jeter a while. Jeter wasn't an all-star in 2014 at 40 years old. Like, I if mean, you're good, don't you, isn't, don't you get some, I mean, you get respect and you can live off your name of being good for a while. Like, that's not his fault. That's just, he's a good player. I just think it's hilarious that Manny Ramirez, a guy that is a known cheater, a guy that has used PEDs <laughs> and a guy who pissed on the green monster. Yeah, like it's uh, not like fine. this is Mr. Morals and he's coming after, after Derek Jeter, who I think you could argue is probably one of the cleanest athletes oh, in major yeah. league baseball. What with the stuff he did on and off the field, but you're talking about a guy that's, that's coming at Jeter that. He never, he never had a positive defensive war. He was always a liability in the field. Dude, him you can Manny go Ramirez in the field up, is hilarious. You can go pull up highlights of Manny Ramirez in the field, and you'll probably find more clips of him rolling around in the grass. Yes, it's so almost funny. Almost like he's on a slip and slide as a kid. What's more funny, him, him like just like lollygagging around out there, or him when he like dives and rolls around and totally misses the ball? I don't even know what's funnier with him in the outfield. He's hilarious. That's uh, just Manny being Manny. And then there's Derek <laughs> Jeter. Like, then there's Derek Jeter where, yeah, you can say he didn't deserve some of the stuff that he did. I'll agree with you on that. But the guy had almost 3,500 hits. <laughs> you don't look into over 3,000 no, hits. No. He's clearly a Hall of Famer. I mean, Every person that has found 3,000 hits basically gets inducted to the Hall of Fame because it's that hard to do. Sure, sure, sure. You're talking about a guy that had just under 3,500. So, Rowdy, he I, played for 20 years. Yeah, which is insane. Uh, Rowdy, uh, two messages, one from, or both from our guy Jordan J, at J.A. Krebs. He says, Manny Ramirez is right about Jeter. Without the pinstripes, he's not the same player. He did nothing great. I still think he's a Hall of Famer, by the way, but I just know he's, I just know he's really good. Well, Krebs, not a Hall of Famer, but really good. Like, gonna, <laughs> something balancing out here. Uh, let me play the clip for you for Manny Ramirez, because a lot of now Yankee fans are getting a hold of it, saying it was taken out of context. Uh, for Man- How about that? Yankee fans defending Manny Ramirez. We truly live in bizarre world. 
Here, take a listen. There's a lot of pressure playing in Boston. There's no getting around it. Ask the guy. I mean, really. Hey, but you got to understand this. If you haven't played in Boston or New York, you're not in the big leagues. Man, that's true. Hey, I'm going to pause there for a second. If you don't play in Boston or New York, you're not in the big leagues? Manny, you know the Manny la- Ramirez? Do you know the last time the Yankees won a World Series? Been a while. 2009. Yeah, it's been a while. Interesting. All right, here's more from uh, Manram. Hey, it's like if you put Jeter in Kansas City in those years. Right. He was just a regular player. Yeah. You put him on that big stage and hit 400 in the postseason for many, many Ooh, years. Oh, there's no doubt about no it. Doubt. He's the greatest in the history. Yeah, right? he's the a greatest. Place. This is a tough place to play. But he make you better. I will. Make you better because you got to be ready every night. Because they will let you know. Oh, yeah. All right, I'm going to pause it again really quick. Manny Ramirez essentially is saying that the fans help motivate the players and the fans make you better. But if you don't play in New York or in Boston, you're not really in the majors? Is that what I'm understanding here? I'm, I'm, I'm going to hit play again. There's a little left. It will let you know when you're not right. Well, that make you, to be honest with you, when I was with Cleveland, I was playing and I was a good player. But when I came to Boston, I got better because the fans, they will let you know that you wasn't playing right. Okay. Isn't, isn't. Do you think it could be the fans or it could have been the PEDs? The P, the Peds. Listen. I'm pretty sure no matter where you go, the fans will let you know if you're doing good or if you're doing bad. You want to know uh, Manny Ramirez when he was in Cleveland? His seasons with Cleveland, he hit 17 home runs, 31, 33, 26, and then 45 and 44 and 38. I think if you look at the numbers, he probably started popping those <laughs> at about 26 at 1998 <laughs> because his numbers were in the thirties and forties. Pretty much every season he was healthy after that. There's so many layers of this onions, uh, uh, this onion to talk about now. <laughs> it's just it's, Derek. It's, so if you're talking about on, the bro. fans, I think you could also argue that having that much pressure in the fans on top of you all the time could make some guys crack. Oh, my God. I think it makes more guys crack than it makes guys good. So think about if Derek Jeter was that good under pressure, collecting just under 3,500 hits, a career average of 310, and he played 20 big league seasons. Did he earn all 14 All-Stars? I think you could argue he probably deserved about 10 of them. Yeah, but did he's living he, off his name, too. So did I mean. he deserve five gold gloves? No, he probably earned about two of them. Now, did he have the range that some shortstop have? No, not necessarily. But you can't deny the fact that he was amazing in the postseason. He was the captain of the Yankees. And then you add in the 3,000-plus hits, oh, this is insane. the over 300 average, the 10-plus-time All-Star, the 2-plus gold gloves, all the rookies of the year, the World Series. It's clearly a good player. Uh, there's a lot of hate for Derek Jeter, probably because he won on and off the field. Yeah, I just think it's hilarious. We'll have to continue this conversation. Uh, that Manny Ramirez, not on the Jeter side of things, but basically saying going to New York or going to Boston, that means you're actually in the big leagues, and they make you better because they'll let you know if you're doing good or bad. I'm pretty sure that I've heard people boo in at, at then Miller Park, heard Brewers fans booing Brewers players. I'll argue that if you... And also cheering for Brewers if players. If you traded Derek Jeter to the Kansas City Royals and he played on that team and then you built around Derek Jeter, I would say the Royals would have been better. 
Yeah. Yes. And I would still put a lot of money on the fact that he still had 3,000 hits and would have hit 300. It just, Manny Ramirez is, I always thought he was hilarious. And I like Manny Ramirez. Like, he's he's fun to watch. He's just funny. But some of that stuff is just kind of makes your head hurt. I don't think what Manny was saying was like a, I mean, it kind of was a slight. It's like, a, it's like, hey, I'm not, but. So Manny Ramirez saying that you put Jer- Derek Jeter on the Kansas City Royals. He's nowhere near the stature that he is. What has Derek Jeter ever done that was so wrong to anyone, Rowdy? <laughs> Nothing. Nothing? I mean, Derek Jeter is like the squeaky clean guy both on and off the field. So, I mean, here's what he's done. He's won, of lo- he's won a lot. He's had a very fruitful, successful, long career. He's dated a lot of very attractive uh, individuals and now is married to one that's Wow. He's he's never had a scandal on or off the field. Yet people want to throw dirt on his name and hate him. I, what it is, and I've noticed this a lot, is just people just hate successful winners. And you can look at Derek Jeter when, you know, you have some of the people saying worst worst fielding shortstop. There is this, Rowdy. Our guy uh, Dane on Twitch says he sold the entire Marlins outfield for peanuts. Now, one could argue the biggest blemish for Derek Jeter is uh, his ownership of the Marlins. Wasn't really the well. Also, there partial was ownership. a little bit of a breakup between <laughs> Derek Jeter and the Marlins ownership because, if you remember correctly, Derek Jeter said, "We're going to come in. We're going to do it my way. We are going to completely overhaul this Got roster," it. and that's what they did. Now. On the surface, when you look at some of the trades that they made, were they the best? No. Could they have done better? Probably. But they did gut the roster. And a lot of people kind of like where Miami is right now. And if you remember at the beginning of the season, Derek Jeter actually said, because remember he stepped away? Yeah, he sold because his was Because uh, there was a philosophy difference between the front office yeah, and Derek and Jeter. Sheets. Because the front office, even though both... Jeter and the front office believed that they had a lot more talent and a lot more talent in the minor leagues. They weren't willing to spend money to be a true contender. And Jeter goes, I don't play this way. I play to win. I'm a winner. I am not going to be in this organization of losers that has some talent, but doesn't want to spend money. And that's what, you know, I mean, uh, what has Jeter done? What has he done to deserve, you know, much hate? It's because he dates good looking women and now married to a good looking woman. Is it because he wins a lot? He's got, you know, rings. Is it because he's, he was for the Yankees because he's squeaky clean has never done anything, uh, you know, in the public eye. That's, you know, nefarious is people, people will love you for so long. And then eventually they want to tear you down. That's just the American way. It's like we, we love we love a success story for only so long, and then eventually we want to ruin you. That's what it is. Well, if you if, and it, the one big thing when people are talking about how he wasn't great on the field, and they they bring up his fielding. Mm-hmm. I mean, he had four seasons where he had a positive defensive WAR. And just because you have a positive defensive war doesn't make you a gold glove. I, I 100% agree with that. <laughs> but you look at two years in particular where he had a defensive war clearly over one full point, which is really, really good. He didn't even win a gold glove in one of those years. So that's why I think some of these, some of these, um, haters, 
well, awards that are given out are popularity awards like the all-star voting or like sometimes the gold glove because you like Derek Jeter in 1998, he had a defensive war clearly over one full point. It was his best year. He didn't even win a gold glove that year. Look at Lorenzo Cain. In 2018, Lorenzo Cain was great for the Milwaukee Brewers. He batted leadoff. He got on base. He hit for an extremely high average, a little bit of pop. He played tremendous defense. He was a threat on the bases to steal bases. The guy was great. He didn't win a gold glove that year, and he was statistically better than what he was in 2019, yeah. but yet he won the gold glove in 2019 almost as like a makeup call. Yeah. Like it was like a makeup, oh, sorry, you probably should have won it in 2018, but you were still oh, pretty good go. in 19. Oh, How about we oh, give it to you now? Oh. Uh, all right, right, we got news of the weird coming up, and it's going to tie into what I'm going to ask you right here. Corbin Burns. Do, we, do you think Corbin Burns will win the Cy Young this year? No. He won it last year. No. And if you look at all of his statistics for the first 14 starts compared to last year, he's actually better in every single category but this one, year right? except for K's per nine. Yeah. He had a K's per nine last year of over 13. This year it's like 11 and a half. Yeah. He still leads the NL in K's per nine, yet he's one and a half strikeouts behind his, his number, and that's the only one that's not as good as last year. On paper, in theory, if he continues to pitch like this, you'd think he'd win a second one, but I would doubt that if he did, that he would get a second straight Cy Young. Uh, I'm trying to look They'd at They'd probably ad. say, oh, sorry to some guy that didn't win it a year or two ago that was you know, maybe from a lesser team that they'll say, oh, we'll give it to this guy. So I'm looking at the odds for Corbin Burns and Cy Young. He's not even on the top names. Sandy Alcantara. Yep, he's number one. Then it goes uh, Joe Musgrove. Yep. Oh, 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 I take it back. Corbin Burns is there after Musgrove, and then it's Zach Wheeler, and then Aaron Nola. That's hilarious. Go look at Zach Wheeler's numbers versus the top three guys you just read off. We'll, uh, we'll save it coming up. We'll just got a break coming up. But, Rowdy, uh, news of the weird on the way. And I would take Zach Wheeler in the Brewers rotation a heartbeat. Don't get it twisted. But to sit up there and say, oh, yeah, this guy's in contention, he's not even anywhere close to those top three names. But real quick for Derek Jeter. I look up uh, Jeets, all the famous women that Derek Jeter has dated. Now he's right now married to um, Hannah, was it Hannah Davis? Now H- Hannah Jeter. Just, wow. Uh, before that, Minka Kelly. Oof. Adriana Lima. Oh, buddy. You also got Jessica Elba. Woo, baby. Scarlett Johansson. I mean, the list goes on and on for uh, Jeets. Apparently, Mariah Carey was a fling for a little bit. There was a clip from one Justin Fields of the Chicago Bears making its rounds. Oh, last week as OTAs were wrapping up. And Rowdy had uh, said, hey, did you hear this clip? I'm like, no, I didn't. So he sent it to me, and I had to chuckle. Rowdy, uh, the NFC North, it's the have and the have-nots, right? I mean, the Green Bay Packers, obviously, I, t- to me anyways, and correct me if I'm wrong in saying this, could probably run away if the NFC North. Yeah? You would think so, especially on paper. One would think. One uh, quarterback for an NFC North team, Justin Fields for the Chicago Bears, had this to say as OTAs were wrapping up. Take a listen. Are you ready for the season to start? Yes. Uh, 
No. <laughs> ready for the season to start. Um, you know, I'm the type of guy to, you know, like to know that I'm prepared. So um, right now, I'm just being honest. We're, we're not ready to play a game right now. So, um, uh, but in, when that time comes, we will be ready. So right now, no, I'm not ready to play. Ronnie, when you hear, when you hear something like that, Justin Fields, I mean, yes, I understand that it's the month of June, but you're fr- supposedly, hopefully, franchise quarterback if you're Chicago Bears fan and Justin Fields saying, you know, I'm an honest guy. We're not even ready to play a game. We're not even close. Well, it, you hear that, and then you look at this Green Bay Packers team. Do you think the Green Bay Packers could play a game right now if they had to this weekend? I mean, I want to say yes, just because you got Aaron Rodgers, who's been. There I don't for know so long. why you wouldn't be able to. Yeah, I mean, like they have the one of the best defenses on paper. You got Aaron Rodgers and a just, lot of guys returning. Yeah, the only thing you have that's a question mark is the wide receiver room. But even then, you got some veterans there. The Green Bay Packers could play a game if they needed to on Sunday. Yeah. I would argue, especially with the turnover and Minnesota Vikings current roster, when you have a Kirk Cousins, when you have a Delvin Cook and a Justin Jefferson, I would argue the Minnesota Vikings would be able to play a game on Sunday. I would even argue that the Detroit Lions with Jared Goff, a guy that's been there, done that. Yep. A lot of the guys that were on the roster last year, obviously they added a lot of draft picks as well, but I would argue that the Detroit lions could also go and play a game on Sunday if they had to now out of all of those teams, clearly green Bay would be most prepared if they had to play on Sunday, just because it's a lot of guys coming back, a lot of veterans, a lot of really good players. It's a, it's a coach and a quarterback. They're on the same page. But I think if you look at it right now and you look at the rest of the teams in the North, I think you could argue that three out of the four would probably be ready to play on Sunday. Now, the product wouldn't look great. Don't get me wrong. Oh, no, yeah. But I also think they could probably beat you, the USFL teams. If you look at it, <laughs> Packers would be number one in, in most ready, then Vikings, then Lions, then Bears. That honestly might be what the standings look like. At the end of the season. Yeah, that's my question. Like, that's also like, obviously the Packers are the clear-cut number one in the NFC North. Even if, if the season started today, pencil the Packers in as NFC Well, North you champions. talk about the Bears. The and Bears. It's like, you could make the excuse. It's like, okay, well, they have a new GM. And, okay. they, and a new coach. And a new coach. Okay, so does the Minnesota Vikings. Yep. They got a quarterback in Justin Fields you, who openly admits, I ain't ready, dude. Yeah, what's what's the difference? Both teams both teams have a new GM. Both teams have a new head coach. One team has an NFL veteran that's a solid quarterback in Kirk Cousins. The other one is Justin Fields, who at time last year you could say flashed here and there. The offensive line is much worse in Chicago. Yeah. The defense lost a lot. It's kind of a, if I was a bears fan, I'd be a little alarmed when my starting quarterback says we can't play a game right now. I know it's, it's, it's bizarre. Are you ready for the season to start? Uh, no, just being honest. Um, you know, I'm the type of guy to, you know, like to know that I'm prepared. So, um, right now I'm just being honest. We're, we're not ready to play a game right now. So, um, uh, but in, when that time comes, we will be ready. So right now, no, I'm not ready. I, I mean, I do appreciate the honesty. Usually you get an athlete up there or a coach or a GM and they just lie through their teeth. I mean, they're just, they're just politicians. That oh, get... I'm with you. I'd rather have a guy that's completely honest. But as a fan, 
I'd be like, honesty, I'd be nervous. I'd be a little worried. Seven touchdowns, ten interceptions last year for one Justin Fields. And you look at the Chicago Bears team, and you're like, wow, this. I mean, you got a new coach, you got a new GM, as Roddy just talking about Vikings as well. And then you look around the league, the Lions are the Lions. I'm, I'd say right now, I agree with you, Rowdy. I think the Lions will overtake. I think the Bears will be last place in the NFC North. Well, that the one thing that the Chicago Bears have to do, and it's what it's what all the other teams that are good do, is once you get the quarterback, you have to imagine that they they figure Justin Fields as their quarterback of the future. Yes, because because if he's not, you have more issues. Yes, but if you think he is, the next thing is to protect him. Overall, you would say Ted Thompson and Brian Gutekunst have done a pretty good job protecting Aaron Rodgers with the lines that they've trotted out. Yep. I know that uh, some of the Thompson years, the offensive line was really good, but it wasn't as deep. So when they had an injury or two, then all of a sudden there was a real a little bit. You know. Exactly. But with Goody, the line has been pretty good deep. and it's been deep. deep. They've been able to rotate players when guys have got injured. You look at what the Vikings did. They spent a lot of money on their offensive line over the years. Kirk Cousins, he's been a solid NFL quarterback. He's not special, but he's not no. horrible. No. I, a lot of NFL teams would take and Kirk Cousins. And the Lions are a team that are building. Now, they don't even see Jared Goff clearly as their quarterback of the future. But again, he's a serviceable NFL quarterback that can win games in the league. He's and, not special. And the Lions have something that the Bears and the Vikings don't have, a guy who's a coach that's been there for at least a year, and Dan Campbell. And Dan Campbell's well-respected by the players. They obviously play hard for him. The Lions lost seven games by six points or less yeah, last, was, last year. It was historic. Yeah, it was like the one of the worst seasons coming up on the losing end of close games. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if I'm a Bears fan. I'm I'm worried because that offensive line for the Chicago Bears is not good. And whether Justin Fields is good or not, it's a lot easier to do your job when you have time to do it. Mm-hmm. And then you look at the receiving core. The receiving core Oof. on paper isn't great either. Obviously, Allen Robinson is gone. And then you look at the Bears defense. They've always prided themselves on that defense. You what? I mean, Khalil Mack is now a Charger. And and you've drafted and brought in a number of tight ends. At one point, remember a couple of years ago, the Bears had ten, was it eight or ten tight ends on the round? It was something insane. Well, that's be, and then Cole Komet, he's been okay, but I mean, you spent a decent amount of draft capital on the guy. What was he like a late first, second round pick? Yeah, like you spent a lot of capital on the guy for him to be. Eh. Eh. Darnell Mooney is probably our your best player. I know Montgomery is solid. They have some decent backs, but. Without an offensive line, that just makes the that makes the progression of Justin Fields that much more difficult. Yeah, I think the Bears are going to be in for a long season. And the defense got worse. The yeah. defense got worse I mean, because Matt they lost out. players. Uh, let's see here. I was looking at uh, CBS Sports. And they Sports. don't have draft capital. No, they don't. Because of the Khalil Mack trade, because of uh, the Trubisky trade, <laughs> and some of the moves that they've made. So they couldn't really go out and draft great players. So I was, looking, I was reading this last night is one underappreciated player on every NFC team. And I go down to, I'll do the whole NFC North, but I'll go down to the Bears right now. And it's their linebacker, Robert Quinn. Say, so I don't know why the Bears suddenly dislike applying pressure to opposing quarterbacks, but here we are. The team traded away all pro linebacker Khalil Mack to the Chargers. And you think that it would add value to an already valuable piece like Robert Quinn, but things are going uh, not good on that front. Quinn isn't looking to leave, but rumor has it the Bears are open to trading him, and now the two are at a bit of an impasse. 
Quinn, a former All-Pro himself, who reestablished himself uh, on a one-year deal with the Cowboys and who went on an absolute tear in 2021 to the tune of 18 and a half sacks. But it's time the Bears recognize what their defense would uh, look like without he or Mack on the field to help Roquan Smith or Eddie Jackson. So the Bears already got some trouble with Robert Quinn. Um, the Bears are going to be uh, – listen, I say this every Sunday, you know, when it comes to network sitcoms, like sitcoms on TV, like comedies, network TV struggles is pretty tough right now. It's been tough for a while. But my favorite network television show, the best comedy around, is called The Chicago Bears. It is one of the funniest comedies you will ever see. One of the longest running comedies you will ever see. And it goes by The Chicago Bears. Rowdy, for underappreciated, uh, we'll go down to the Packers. How about this? Your, your buddy, your man. The most underappreciated player on the Green Bay Packers belongs to one Rashawn Gary. Figured that just right when you said my guy. <laughs> they say you don't hear a lot about Gary outside of Wisconsin, and that's just weird. This is a linebacker who's proven, proven he gets better with time, going from two sacks with no starts as a rookie to five sacks with four starts in 2020 and upping his production yet again, 16 starts well, I mean, in 2021 think, with nine and a half sacks. Think about his progression as a player. Year one, they brought him in. They made him change positions from a 4-3 defensive end to a 3-4 outside linebacker. Plus, they had just signed both of the Smith brothers. Mm -hmm. So he's clearly the number three, and he's trying to learn a position. Then he gets in year two, and he becomes the third guy in the rotation. He's had a year under his belt. Yes, there was progression. But then year three, he all of a sudden gets a ton of run because Zadarius Smith only played in two games. Oh, my back. Now, this this is officially... Rashawn Gary's season, right? Yeah, this is he, his time. This he, is, is he is the main starter. This He'll be it. opposite of Preston Smith. And I, you you would imagine with how they rotated Preston Smith last year, Rashawn Gary will probably get the most snaps at outside linebacker. Like this this is his year. Yeah, this is this if, is if the he was year ever going Gary. to have his best season, it's going to be this one. The on a good defense that should be able to get pressure on the quarterback, and he's going to be the main guy. Yep. Oh, yeah. Uh, his he could pot- get a lot. He could get a huge payday next season. His potential helped fuel the divorce from Zadarius Smith, clearing the way for Gary to truly make a name for himself in one of the biggest markets in football. And then maybe more people will notice his due north trajectory. Oh, put cheese on everything. Bane Gary, Rashawn Gary, Rowdy. Uh, from uh, us criticizing him for looking good shirtless on a beach doing cone drills to now it is his time to shine. For number 52. Uh, then real quick, wrap it up for the, the most underappreciated players. Uh, in the episode, Brian O'Neill, offensive tackle for the Vikings. And then you go down to the Lions, Tracy Walker, uh, their DB. So, yeah. Uh, I, this is funny. Daniel Jones. There's no quarterback on this list besides the Giants. Daniel Jones. He's terrible. He's terrible. He sucks. I, he see, stinks. the funniest thing is that, like, the Giants have kicked around coaches. They've kicked around general managers. Ooh. Yeah. And all this different stuff. But when they bring in new coaches and like new general managers and, and new new guys in the front office, I don't get how you can get to that level of professional sports and still not be sold on the fact that Daniel Jones isn't your guy. I, I He must have dirt on like everyone or he's got some kind of like he can like hypnotize people. Daniel Jones is just garbage. And every time that he trots out there again for the giants. I'm like, what? 
How bad is, I guess, your backup quarterback? Or does Daniel Jones just have some kind of dirt on everyone in that organization? I don't, I don't get it, dude. Oh, here you go. Uh, ben Kennedy for listening. And this is some Wisconsin flavor as well. Uh, the most underappreciated player for the one Philadelphia Eagles, TJ Edwards. I mean, that's dude that's worked hard. Yeah. I mean, remember when they did those way too early uh, draft it was like it was right after like the the season had just started. Mm-hmm. It was like August, and they come out with the way too early draft for the uh, for the Wisconsin Badgers. Yeah, <laughs> and they had like four or five Badgers going <laughs> in the first round, and TJ Edwards was one of them. Yeah, hell yeah, and. You're kind of like, you take him with a grain of salt. Like, like, really? Yeah, TJ Edwards. I mean, he's a good player. I mean, solid Big Ten player, but really? First round pick? I mean, he's really? a stud. He's, he's, really? he's crushing. Yeah. <laughs> and then you play out the entire season, and pretty much all of those guys that the... Because remember, that was when they were supposed to have that stud offensive line. Yep. All those guys fell off. None of them were selected in the first round. TJ Edwards was not drafted. No, undrafted. he was profiled as a guy that wasn't athletic enough to play in the show. Yep. He was a guy that, you know, he was a solid, sturdy tackler. He worked hard, but he didn't have the side to side speed. Well, he got, he caught on with the Eagles, played some special teams, played well, worked his way into, into what becoming more of a first or second down He's a beast, linebacker, dude. because obviously he he, he, they know what he is, and they're playing him to where he yeah, fits for special best. teams. And last, and obviously, Ben could talk more on that because well, he watches the Eagles every single last game. two seasons alone. Seen him produce two hundred combined tackles and three sacks and sixteen starts. So TJ Edwards, the uh, one underappreciated player on one Philadelphia Eagles team. But yeah, he got in there. He worked hard. He started out from the bottom at, on special teams, and now he's finally getting some reps. Yeah. Oh, I take that back. There was uh, Daniel Jones for quarterbacks. There was one other quarterback on this list. Excuse me. And it's belonging to Jameis Winston on the New Orleans Saints. I would take Jameis Winston a million times before I would even think about Daniel Jones. We had a topic, was it last week, two weeks ago, about Major League Baseball and the All-Star voting. And do you vote based on who the best player is? Or do you vote based on, you know, who your favorite is? Uh, Well, boys, we got some Milwaukee Brewers flavor on the ballots. Uh, No one really catching too much fanfare. Um... I, and this stems from an email I got yesterday as well. So there's a there's an old radio guy that um, I don't name any names. I think he's in the Hall of Fame or something for uh, WBA. Oh, and nice. he's he, uh, I don't know how I made it on the the email list, but I did. And thank you, I'm flattered to be on a Hall of Famer's email list. Uh, he's a Cubs fan though, but he sends it out to a lot of uh, Brewers broadcasters, or I'm sorry, uh, Wisconsin uh, broadcasters, and um, and he really wants us. He says, keep voting Cubs. Keep voting Cubs. We need Wilson Contreras on there. And so I look at catchers right now. The latest updated uh, the other day from Major League Baseball. Wilson Contreras is the number one right now a vote getter by a landslide uh, for catchers in the National League. Uh, first of all, boys, when it comes to likable and unlikable all-stars, now I know if you're a Cubs fan, you like yourself some Wilson Contreras, but is there not more of an unlikable guy than Wilson Contreras in Major League Baseball, or is it just me because I'm a Brewers fan? I, no. I would say it's more because you're a Brewer fan and just because we have to see him all the time, and then obviously there's been some dust-ups because of him leaning out over the plate with that elbow and having issues with the Milwaukee Brewers and 
Overall, I don't think he's seen as like a villain of the league. No, it's just because it's because him and the dust up of the Brewers you're talking about leading over, taking the beam, you know, the balls. Uh, he's so annoying. He just can't get out of the way of a baseball. Uh, for first base, uh, something that uh, and already brought this up. But weirdly enough, you know how I'm like the guy where I'm not just going to vote Brewers. Or Would my you favorite vote Wilson Contreras? I mean, Wilson Contreras. If you just look at some of the catchers in the NL, he's definitely in the top two. Mm-hmm. He, he, he's, he's, he's almost double the votes. Yeah, in second place. He's definitely in the top two when you just purely look at numbers, and I would probably say he's number one. All right. So when it comes to unlikable versus likable, I mean, does that like can a guy be the best in his position already, but you hate him so much and dislike him so much that you wouldn't vote for him? Uh, not really. No. What about like Yadier Molina is third right now for the Cardinals and uh, voting. For That's catchers. hilarious. <laughs> Would you? I mean, no. Yadier Molina, very no. un- unlikable no. or unlikable? No. I, very unlikable and just frankly, he's old and not playing to the same standards as Wilson Contreras of the world. Well, let me ask you, RJ. I know your affinity with Yadier Molina is not lost. Uh, when it comes to Yadier Molina, let's None say... None of his pitchers get caught with doctoring a ball because he puts it all on his chest protector. Let's say he was having the best season that a catcher had had in the year, and you had a Major League Baseball All-Star voting in front of you. Would you vote? Like, oh, I know the numbers say he's number one. He's the best by a landslide. Would you vote for Yadier Molina? or would you? Do you want me to read off true. Yadier Molina's stats? No, I I wouldn't. I would never vote for the guy, even if he was just like the, he was doing the best season ever. The man cheats at baseball, <laughs> and yet everybody loves him. So he's currently on the ten day IL. He's hitting two thirteen this year. He has two home runs, ten RBIs. But we do know he's a good defensive catcher. Don't get me wrong. No, nope. and an That's OPS true. of five nineteen. That's awful. That's bad. That's awful. He is third. and he's third, third in all star voting right now. Uh, let's see. So here. I would vote Omar Narvaez before him, and Omar Narvaez is not deserving of the All Star. Uh, out of the top ten for catchers in the NL, Omar Narvaez is ninth. If oh, I nice. had to list my clear top two for catchers, how I would vote, I would go with Contreras one, Darno two. Yeah, that's exactly where it is standing right yeah. now. Uh, Contreras has uh, eight hundred and one thousand six hundred thirty votes. Well, uh, let's see here, Travis. Has 471, 921. And I'd probably oh. round out the top four with Will Smith and Real Muto. Real Smith is Real Smith. Will Smith is number five, and Real Muto is seven right now. Uh, then sixth? A sixth would be James McCann for the oh, Mets. Okay. Uh, Aaron, uh, or I'm sorry, Austin Nola is eighth. Narvaez is ninth with 65, almost 66,000 votes for Omar Narvaez. Uh, coming at first base, though, Rowdy, you brought this up uh, for the first game against the Cardinals. Oh, uh, the Brewers and Corbin Burns. Josh Hader just made him look silly. Paul Goldschmidt, though, the number one vote getter. Oh, and he should be. For first base, he has 930,000 votes right now. Pete Alonzo is second with yep. 602,000. Pete Alonzo probably comes in at number two behind him. I mean, that's when you get into who do you think's number three. But yes, number one and number two are pretty clear cut. Yeah. Freddie Freeman's Goldschmidt, third. Goldschmidt's yeah, an Freddie MVP Freeman. candidate. Pete Alonzo. Probably right in there as well, but it's definitely those two are head and shoulders better than everyone else at first base. Freddie Freeman comes in at three. Uh, for the Brewers flavor, Rowdy Telez, sixth on the list. Oh, so wow. 92,000 votes right behind him. There's then Joey Votto. And then a, a former friend of the Brewers, Jesus Aguilar, number 10 on the list. Jesus. Uh, in second base here. <laughs> you know, it's, it, it's sad because Rowdy Telez is, is arguably having probably the third best season offensively for a Milwaukee Brewer. Mm-hmm. 
and he's sixth on the list. Yeah, and there's the list. okay, there's no shot in hell, even if Rowdy Telez had his best career year, that he would be touching Goldschmidt or Alonzo for numbers this year. Uh, yeah. yeah. And just for votes alone, Rowdy Telez has ninety two thousand, Paul Goldschmidt nine hundred and thirty thousand. <laughs> so there you Ten go. Times. Uh second base, looking here for some Brewers flavor. Colton Wong is ninth. <laughs> Surprised he's even that high. He was he's playing Statistically, the second worst second baseman after being a multi multi time Gold Glove Award winner, and he was having one of his lesser hitting seasons this year. He shouldn't even be on there. It's the Cardinals fans. He's ninth with seventy eight thousand votes. Uh, so Rowdy Telez has less or a little more votes than Colton Wong. Uh, third base, uh, Brewers flavor coming in at number ten would be one Luis Urias. Urias. He's got fifty thousand votes. About shortstop, uh, Manny Machado, number one for the Padres. I don't even get why they have. I don't understand why they have voting at third base. The guy's name is Nolan Arenado. I don't know why they have dispensal men. Uh, Manny Machado is almost at a million votes to Nolan Arenado being almost a little over half a million. Well, votes. he's Machado. Machado's hurt. Yeah, yeah. He just yes, his ankle. I mean, those two guys are clear cut. I top think, two. I think it's not even close. Off. Yeah, it's, Jen. it's literally not close. Who else would you have except for those two? Yeah, you know, third is Austin like. Riley. Um, nice player, but clearly four, less than those guys. Four is Justin Turner, and five is Eduardo Escobar uh, for the Mets. Uh, Evan Longoria on there for seventh. All right, so uh, shortstop, Trey I Turner. That guy. Trey Turner is number one for the Dodgers at shortstop. Uh, but let's see here. The most votes, or I'm sorry, the second most votes for a Brewer belongs to Willie Adamas. He is seventh, though. I think he should actually be higher. He is 106,000 votes, seventh. Now, I know his average isn't where it normally is because he's about a 255 hitter. He has the most home runs for a shortstop. He has the most home runs for a shortstop. He has been productive. Even even defensively, I know he came out of the gates the first couple weeks and looked a little shaky, but basically since then, he's been that plus defender that the Brewers have had, and, and I think even his defensive numbers have been a little bit better where they have been the last few years. But, I, I mean, I'd probably pencil him in third yeah, he's, behind Trey so, Turner and behind Dansby Swanson. That's the list. Then Francisco Lindor is third, that's, actually. I feel like Francisco Lindor and... Adamus are kind of a toss-up. I mean, Lindor has played more, but Willie Adamus has way better defense, and he's been a little bit more productive hitting the long ball. Francisco Lindor's got a few more RBIs, but he's been pretty putrid in the field this year. And he also has a bigger market in the you know New York yeah. to vote for him. I, I think Willie Adamus, statistically speaking, should probably be penciled in third. Just yeah, just behind uh, Turner and Swanson. It's got to get your vote on, I guess. And then DHs. How about this? Universal DH designated hitters. Bryce Harper, number one, over a million votes. A million. Uh, he's the only guy uh, of all the yeah of all the positions. He's the only guy to crack over a million for votes. So Bryce Harper with a million, uh, Albert Pujols third, Wilson or William Contreras, excuse me, is number two. Uh, but you all go all the way down to number ten. Can you guys guess who the Brewers are? McCutcheon. Voting? Yep, Andrew McCutcheon is number ten on the All Star list for votes for DH. Those, I think it's those pretty, Pittsburgh fans. They yeah. love their McCutcheon. I think it's pretty clear as day. When you look at the Milwaukee Brewers in the infield, you you shouldn't even have anybody on the list at second or third base. I mean, Urias missed an entire month and then was really bad for like three weeks. Mm-hmm. Colton Wong has been overall bad the entire season. He's, He's on hurt. the IL. Yeah, 
Willie Adamas was injured, but then we talked about his numbers. He's a guy worth, if you were trying to say fandom and stats, you, I could see voting for. And then there's Rowdy Telez, who's just behind better players. Yeah. And the catching position, same thing. Narvaez, Caratini, they've been all right, but they haven't been great. Uh, I, I feel like the only guy that I could actually see myself voting for, if I'm talking about the Milwaukee Brewers, in the infield in DH, is Willie Adamas. Yeah. And I still think he's third. And Rowdy, we have one more uh, overall position that would be outfielders. <laughs> They have, I mean, there's a sense there's Is you know, Kane more. on the ballot? Yep. He probably was. He is not. Um, Coming in with the most votes for any Milwaukee Brewer, the most votes for any Milwaukee Brewer for the All-Star ballot with 144,632 votes, Christian Yelich, out of the 20, he is number 19 for all-star voting. Yeah, and people want to argue who the face of the franchise is. There it is. Yeah. Christian Yelich, the fact that he has that many more votes than any other Brewer. And he is, uh, I mean, the most vote-getters, Mookie Betts, with almost 1.5 million he's votes. Hurt. I mean, the Brewers are only going to have two all-stars, right? Yes. Yeah, they're going to be picked. And they're going to be the pitchers, pitchers who, yeah. that are selected who get invited. Yeah. yeah. Well, maybe three if they throw one at Devin Williams, but I, mean, I think Hader he, I and, think Hater and Burns are your safe bets. Yeah. And they're the ones that are like chosen. They're like, yes, we'll, yeah. we're going to take you and we'll take you. Yeah. But I mean, look at it. Kane is no all-star. I mean, he's, he's not done. In the <laughs> no, he's not he's not on the list either. <laughs> well, he played the majority of time at yeah. center field. He probably yeah. would have been if if you log into a ballot right now, now they probably have changed it. But up until no, this is two a, days yeah, ago, this is, yeah, yeah, two days. Yeah. But yeah. like I'm saying, if you look, pull up the ballot. I'm. I would say as of two days ago, or three days ago now. Four. When when was that? Saturday it was or over Sunday the weekend? Yeah, Saturday. Saturday or, I think. So before that happened, he was still on the ballot. Yeah, when he has DFA Saturday morning, and there was no way you would ever vote for him. No, never. no. Uh, with Tyrone Taylor not getting a ton of at-bats and being like the fourth outfielder in his current numbers, there's no way you would ever vote for him. I mean, some Brewers yeah. fans don't even know who he is right now. Christian Christian Yelich is once again having a down season from his all-star years. Yep. You can easily come up with three outfielders, or even if you went with five outfielders that were much better selections than him. Hell, Hunter Renfro is a better selection yeah. for the all-star team over Christian Yelich, mm-hmm. and he missed two, three weeks. Yeah. Yep. And, and yeah. his numbers aren't close to even the top of the outfield. Yet, he's got the most votes of any Milwaukee Brewer, 144,632. the reason he's yeah. the face of the franchise. The, the issue I have with the all-star game is fans decide the all-star game. Like... They should just get rid of fan voting. Well, you got to. No, I understand why they get people involved because like, but I know what you're saying. Right. But it means absolutely nothing. Like, I'm sorry, but it it becomes a popularity contest. It's like the, in the NFL. And then the All-Star game shouldn't be about popularity. Like, did you guys see the comments? Pro Bowl sucks, but all pro is where it's. You guys see the comments from Manny Ramirez yesterday? No. About Derek Jeter? Oh, please tell me. We'll have to talk about it coming up. Yeah, well, good tease, Rowdy. But the Milwaukee Brewers don't have an all-star in the field this year, whether it be due to injury 
lack of production, or simply just not that good. All right, Rowdy, we were talking a little uh, Major League Baseball All-Star voting. The Brewers, uh, they do have some guys not high up there. Uh, Rowdy Telez, sixth there for first base. And then the most vote-getter would be Christian Yelich. Um, He's got the most votes, but he's 19th. And clearly that just shows that he's the most popular Milwaukee Brewer when it comes to the national fan. Yeah. And it makes sense, obviously, out of all those guys. Christian Yelich won an MVP, was on the verge of winning a second MVP before the kneecap injury. Yep. And when you look around at positions, at catcher, no one's going to confuse Victor Carantini with ever being an all-star. Obviously, Narvaez was an all-star last year, but he's had two really good hitting seasons in his career. And then last year started kind of putting it together defensively, ends up being an Mm all-star. But he's not a perennial all-star that's there every year. Rowdy Telez is clearly not going to be in the all-star mix pretty much every year at first base. Colton Wong has been bad this year, so he's not going to be in the mix. Willie Adamas has been extremely solid in his career at shortstop, but he hasn't been a top echelon when it comes to an all-star. And Luis Arias hasn't been good this year. And then you look at the outfield and they haven't been healthy and or good enough. The one thing that I would love to see, because obviously pitchers are selected and they're selected by the managers. Yep. I would love to see if they were going to open that up and have vote, uh, fan voting. Who would vote for Burns? Is how Hater. many people would vote for Burns or Hater yeah. versus Christian Yelich? Because then you would truly see, would like see that too. who the face of the franchise is. But clearly in the field, yeah. it's Christian Yelich. Just look at the voting. Yeah, yeah, he's got. And over he doesn't a even votes. have close to the to the better numbers no. per no. position like a Willie Adams. 